I'll invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading. Our scripture reading comes from Isaiah chapter 35, verse 10. Let's read God's good word together. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Brandon Blackson. I'm the executive pastor here, and it's great to be with you. I'm excited to share this message. We've been having a lot of fun with this series, as we wish everyone a decent Christmas. And uh, anyway, try it this week. It it might work differently out of context without a big graphic that says that behind you, but just try and have a decent Christmas. And uh, but that's what we want to talk about today. What would it look like if we were decent to one another? And we didn't aim for perfection, but sought to just experience the joy that God has for us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I don't know about you all, but we started planning ahead of time. That's, that's unusual for us. I should, I should say, that's unusual for me. My wife's great about planning ahead um, for the holidays, but, but I'm not. And so uh, this year, you know, it was November. We were around like two weeks before Thanksgiving, and we realized we did not have anything on the calendar that Saturday. And we also noticed that the weather was not terrible. And so we were like, okay, lightning is not going to strike twice. We're not going to get a good day where we don't have anything. And then lo and behold, December has been like 60 every day. Anyway, didn't know that a month ago. And so we're like, we're going to put up our Christmas lights today. And so we did. I got out the lights. They're the ones we've had since the time that we got married and got, you know, got up on the ladder, got them all hung. Um, I'm too cheap to pay someone to do that, so I, I put them up. And, uh, and we got them, you know, two weeks ahead of Thanksgiving, we had our Christmas lights up. And, and I don't mean to brag, but I was kind of proud of myself. And so, you know, we were excited about that, and, uh, and that we didn't turn them on, of course. I mean, we tested them, and then I forgot about it for the rest of the night. But aside from that, we did not turn them on until after Thanksgiving. And so uh, we waited the appropriate amount of time in our family and then turned them on. And, uh, and I, I was like, okay, you know, that's great. It made me happy. And then I started noticing other families in our, in our neighborhood started getting their Christmas lights put up. And then those lights started turning on. And, and as different houses illuminated... I realized that um, LED technology has come a long way in the last 10 years since we got our Christmas lights. And uh, ours are a little bit more dim than our neighbors. And a couple nights ago, I looked at my wife and I said, you know what, I think we're the sad house. <laughs> it's just compared to all the other houses, it's like they're all these, you know, bright red and white, and we've just got kind of the the dim yellow <laughs> coming off of our house. And so I started like judging myself, you know, why don't we have good lights like, like our neighbors? And I don't know, but do you ever fall into that trap of, of just, you know, something happens and instead of just noticing it, you start assigning value to it. Like, you know, if you, if you were good neighbors, you would have great Christmas lights. Or, you know, if you were, were good suburban residents, you would spend the money to have the neighborhood look great, protect property, you know, all those things that, that we do. And I started thinking, you know, and it's, it's Christmas lights. I mean, not that big of a deal, um, at least in our family. And yet I found myself judging myself because my, my lights didn't look as good as some of my neighbors. 
You know, that's a pretty small thing, but, but sometimes you find yourself in that situation. Either um, you're judging yourself or someone else is judging you. And, and I just wonder for you, how does that feel? Does anyone like that feeling? Does anyone like, I need someone to knock me down a few pegs. Like, I'm feeling a little too good about myself. I know, Uncle Joe, he always knows exactly what to say to make me feel insecure. Does anyone like, no, no one likes that feeling. And yet that's one of the things that, that we know that. We know that judging is not a good or helpful thing. And yet, all of us at some points find ourselves doing that. We find ourselves judging others, judging ourselves. Frequently, those things are related. And so that's what we're going to talk about this week, is how can we say no to judging? And so this is where we've been over the last few weeks. We started out with hope over hate. And uh, at a time when so many people in our country and around the world are, are really just um, sometimes even at each other's throats, just recognizing that, that hate hurts both those who give the hate and those who receive it, both those who receive it and those who carry it. And so we're not, we decided we're not going to choose hate. We're going to choose hope instead. We're going to choose the hope that Jesus brings. And so that's where we started. And then last week, we talked about choosing peace over perfection. And so many of us want to have the perfect Christmas, you know, where every detail is right. And we're going to make everyone happy because we cooked exactly the right thing and bought all the right gifts and everything is going to go great. And then Christmas happens and, and we're lucky if like three of those things actually happen, right? And so instead of trying to have everything perfect, we, we recognize Jesus didn't come for perfect people who have it all together. He came for imperfect sinners who are in need of grace. And so we let go of per- perfection and instead choose God's peace. And this week we're talking about how can we choose joy over judgment? How can we choose joy over judgment? And, and a lot of this kind of is connected to what we talked about last week um, because it's, it, a lot of our judgments can stem from, from feelings of perfection, um, of that desire for pe- perfection and perfectionism. And this is what I, I shared this last week, but I think it's worth sharing again. Brene Brown says about perfectionism. She says it's a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect, live perfect, work perfect, and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. And there it is, we're trying to avoid the feelings of judgment. Why? Because it hurts. That doesn't feel good. And it's especially tough whenever it's somebody you really care about, you know, a good friend, a a family member, um, any of those kinds of people. But it even hurts like whenever, or it makes us angry, which usually is a response to hurt, whenever it happens, you know, if it's a stranger, whenever you find yourself commenting, um, you know, in the comment section of a social media post or on a website, and and then someone says something hateful back whenever you thought what you shared was relatively innocuous, and and that feels bad. And and then you start judging yourself because like, you're like, I knew better than to get into the comments, and I post it in any way. And it's just that kind of cycle that goes. We find ourselves um, in these experiences of judgment and then, and then experiencing it ourselves as well. And, you know, one of the things that happens at Christmas is, you know, a lot of us look forward to getting together with family, but there are some folks who don't, and particularly because they dread family gatherings because they feel judged there. They feel like someone's going to say something. And, you know, maybe you've experienced this. And sometimes it's the comments are well-intended, and sometimes they're not. But, you know, like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to grow up and start acting like an adult? When, when are you going to finally settle down and get married? When are you going to have kids? When are you going to stop having kids? When are you going to, you know, all of those kinds of things. And, and people say them, and sometimes it, it sounds like a joke. Sometimes they think they're joking. And sometimes they pretend like they're joking, and you know it's actually just like really blatant, passive-aggressive comment. But, you know, those things happen. And, and sometimes it's funny. Sometimes you can laugh it off. But sometimes when people say things like that, it can be absolutely crushing. 
I mean, maybe you've seen that at a family gathering or, or at a work thing or friends. You know, somebody says something, and you can just see someone's face fall. I mean, it just really hits them and hurts them. And that stuff happens at the time that's supposed to be the happiest of the year. And it happens whenever we judge. And so we've got to get rid of that. And one of the really hard things is whenever we judge others, it's something everyone does. It's not, it would be nice if it was just like the bad people who did it, and we're all fine here. But, but it's all of us. And whenever we judge others, one of the reasons that happens, it's, it's a reflection of our own self-judgment. The things we don't like in ourselves, the things that we're insecure about, the things that, that we wish were different, often we're judging others for those things. We kind of project our insecurities on others. And so it's really our judgment of ourself leads us into judging others, which then leads us into, I mean, it's just this really sick, vicious cycle. But here's the thing. Whenever we give in to judgment, we're denying ourselves joy. Because judgment and joy can't coexist. Those things, I mean, do you know any, when you think of the most judgmental person you know, do they like just look like someone who's overflowing with joy? And it's like, wow, they think negative thoughts about everyone they run into. They're so happy. Does anyone know anyone like that? No, I mean, it doesn't, it's one or the other. And so if you want to experience joy, you've got to get rid of the judgment. That's what we've got to do. And and so that's what we're talking about. What, What happens when we judge? And one of the, the things that happens, one of the reasons we kind of fall into that, particularly at the holidays, is, is because we're stressed. We're stressed, you know, we're trying to do all of the things. And, and I know last week, if you heard last week's sermon, I challenged everyone to, to enjoy, the, to relish the joy of missing out. And then I did a whole lot. My schedule was full last week. I did a terrible job of practicing that. So anyway, just confessing with you. And so I've, I've been stressed. I know some of you, one or two of you maybe, are feeling that this week. And then we also compare ourselves to others. You know, we look at the houses around our neighborhood and like, oh my gosh, we have the worst house. And uh, I don't think we actually have the, well, if I tell you we don't have the worst house, then I'm also comparing myself to someone else. I don't know how to win this one, but we compare ourselves to others. You know, we, we think of, you know, they got their kids this and we just got our kids that, or, or all of their family got together and we're only going to see like two people this year. All of those things we find ourselves comparing and, and it doesn't help us because whenever we compare ourselves to others, it it ends up with either we're judging them or we're judging ourselves. You know, if I were a better parent, I would get my kid nicer toys. Or if they were less indulgent of their kids, they would not spend so much because that is ridiculous. You know, either way, either way we're judging. And it doesn't help them and it doesn't help us. And I think you've probably heard this quote before, but it's attributed to Theodore Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. We can't enjoy things if we're too busy looking around seeing if somebody has something better or to make sure everyone else has something worse, right? You can't enjoy it because you're too busy focusing on everything else. It steals your joy whenever you compare, and it makes Christmas not very fun, right? It's hard to enjoy a gift whenever you're focused on who got a better one. And so comparison steals our joy. And not only that, but whenever we find ourselves getting into judging others, whenever we judge people, it drives people away from us. People don't want to be around us if they know that they're going to be judged. That's, that's not something that, that people enjoy. And we can even, as people of faith, whenever we're judgmental, if, if people come into this space and feel judged whenever they're here, they're not going to want anything to do with us. We even have the power to, to drive people away from God if we're judgmental. That's, that's how much power we have whenever we do that. And so the, the way that we act towards others, specifically whether we choose to judge them or not, can have significant repercussions for them and for ourselves. 
And it's, it's so important that Jesus warns his followers pretty directly about judging others. And so this is what he says. It's in, it's in the Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew 7. He says, do not judge. Like, he doesn't leave wiggle room either, which would be nice. You know, uh, unless it's a really bad person and, you know, they're awful for sure, then it's okay. But he says, do not judge so that you may not be judged. Now, that part kind of gets my attention, right? I think back like, oh, so, so if the judgment I make, I will be, I'll, with the, the measure that I give is the measure that I'll get. If the measure, if the judgment that I give to others is the judgment that I'll give back, I wish I could walk back some things I said to myself in the carpool line this week, you know? And, but I mean, that's, that's what he said. It's that serious. The judgment we give is the judgment we'll get. And, you know, frequently the reason we give the judgments we get is because we're already judging ourselves for those things. They're connected to our fears, our shortcomings, and our sins. But Jesus says, that's not yours to do, that's mine. So do not judge. This is how he continues. He says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Isn't that just like a great image? Can you just imagine a log poking out of someone's head? Um, and, and then like, oh, wait a second, you've got like a little speck. Let me get that for you. Is anyone, I mean, I don't want that person. I mean, they can't see for one thing, but, uh, but that's what happens to us whenever we judge. I mean, we make ourselves hypocrites because, I mean, are any of us perfect? I mean, I think we established that pretty well. We are not. And yet whenever we judge others, we're holding them to a standards that we can't even hold ourselves to. And so that's what he says. He continues, how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own? And there you go. There you, go. you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. And here's the thing, one of the reasons that judgment can be really, I don't know, I don't know about fun, but one of the reasons it can be so appealing is because it allows us to focus on, on others' imperfections rather than actually acknowledging and then addressing our own. We don't even have to recognize, yeah, I've got some things that I could work on because, oh, they've got even more. They're so much worse off. I really need to help them. And that's the thing, right? Sometimes we even, like, tell ourselves, oh, I'm just going to help them by telling them how bad they are. Someone needs to. they got to know. And it's not super helpful, is it? But that's what we do. We focus on others instead of ourselves. We open ourselves to being judged because we're judging others. And in fact, even we're, in a way, we're almost legitimizing others' judgments of us whenever we judge them. This is what uh, Arthur Brooks, he's a happiness researcher, he's, he says this, he says, to judge others is to acknowledge a belief that people can, in fact, legitimately judge one another. So if I'm judging you, I'm saying that it is a good thing, that is an acceptable thing for people to do to judge one another. This is a legitimate action. But then whenever I do that, it comes back to me. And so he, said, he continues, thus, it is an implicit acceptance, there are a lot of big words in this quote, an implicit acceptance of others' judgments of you. And so I've got to watch out because if I'm judging you, then I'm also going to be self-conscious that you are judging me because I think that's a thing that people do. And if you pay attention that, that often whenever we're at our most judgmental, we're also feeling insecure about others judging ourselves. And, and so if you want to have a decent Christmas, if you want to have a happier life, this stuff, I don't know if you knew this or not, this stuff is not just about Christmas. We've got to let go of judgment. We've got to just let go of it, get rid of it. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. We've got to let go. And instead, what we can choose is joy. So we'll talk about how we can do that. 
And, and it's something that, you know, in, we find ourselves in different circumstances. I mean, I know just from knowing things that are going on in your families that, that we're all over the place. And for some of you, it's going to be um, an easier Christmas to celebrate. And for some of you, it's going to be harder. But, but here's the, the thing that I want you to know is that whatever our circumstances, we can choose to practice joy. It's a choice. It's not just a matter of waiting for the right, you know, the right situation to come upon us so that we can actually experience it and then relishing it once it happens. It's a choice that we make. It's something that we can practice by making sure that the things that we're giving our attention to, the things that we're doing, are actually aligned with joy. And we can even be joyful at Christmas. I don't know if you knew this. While you're having a decent Christmas, you can actually be joyful because joy is at the center of the Christmas story. The joy of Christmas isn't just around all the presents and the decorations, even if your house is not sad. It's not about all of the different snacks and candy and those kinds of things. It's about the one who has come. It's at the center of it. And so this is, how, this is what we see from Mary. Whenever, um, whenever she went to be with her cousin Elizabeth, and they were, you know, both had these miraculous pregnancies, this is what Mary said. She said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Now, Mary was probably a teenager whenever this happened. She was engaged but not yet married, and she was pregnant. And particularly, I mean, people talk about those kinds of situations today and judge them. It, it was worse then to be in, in pregnant and not married. And, and so you can imagine that there were some people who were saying judgmental things about, I mean, like, I'm, did you know that they are not married yet and she's pregnant? And she blamed God on it? I mean, that's, there are some rumors going around. She had lots of reasons to be concerned about the judgment of others. But what did she choose? What did she choose? Mary chose to rejoice. She paid attention to what God was doing, and she rejoiced in it. That was her response to what God was doing. She chose joy. And we can do that too, even in difficult circumstances, even whenever we feel like there are a lot of people who are throwing a lot of judgment our way. We choose joy. We rejoice in what God is doing. Not only she, but also the shepherds rejoiced as well. Um, this is what the angel said to them whenever the, she- the angel came to the shepherds after Jesus was born. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of what? Of great joy, not just for some of the people, but for all the people. Because to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. That was the message. It was a message of great joy. And so the shepherds went and they saw him. And and after they left, they returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They rejoiced. That was their response. Because it's not about all the things that go along with it. There are some great things about Christmas. I I love all of it. Uh, Okay, that that is hyperbolic. I love a lot of it. And that's not what it's about. The source of our joy is the salvation that Jesus brings. That's what it's all about, and he brings it for every single one of us. And so you know, whether things are great or whether they're awful, we can choose joy. And I love the way that, that Isaiah puts it. He's talking about the joy that will come when God makes a home with humans. And, and this is how he describes it. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon them. Not, not just a momentary good feeling, not just a, an instance of pleasure, but everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And that's the hope that we have. That is what we can hold on to. However your Christmas is going this year, is that he has come, and that sighing and sorrow shall flee away because of him. And he's the bringer of everlasting 
joy. This is what Old Testament scholar Anathea Portier Young says. She says, Isaiah 35 invites us to reflect on this Advent season, not only as God's coming in Christ, but also as our coming home. God comes. God is here. We leap and shout and sing. And together, we walk home. And what kind of home is that? It's not a place where we're chided for all of our shortcomings. It's not a place where, you know, you, you better have accomplished something great in the last year if you want to come in or else you're going to hear about it from mom. It is a place where everyone is welcome, no matter what, no judgment, everlasting joy. That's the home that God is creating for us whenever we choose joy. And it's interesting, the things that we celebrate, um, the things that really our faith points us to are also things that, that researchers find are things that give us joy. And so um, I think it's cool to look at the social science research about really what are the contributors to happiness. There um, are four that Arthur Brooks points to based on his uh, reading of the research material. He points to, to faith. I know y'all are super surprised, like, wow, the preacher just said faith makes us happy. Who could have seen that one coming? But it does. It's a source of joy, and, and particularly, not just like happiness, Having, not just having abstract beliefs, but actually practicing our faith. Showing up in worship, you all are doing great. You are hearing me. You are already practicing this. But actually choosing to pray, spending time in prayer, reading the scriptures, serving others, giving generously, all those things are sources of joy. And then family, pouring into the relationships of the people that we're closest to, the people who have served us, who, who brought us into the world, who we've brought into the world, and, and those who are relatives. For, for friends, having a group of people who care about us and support us and caring about them and supporting us as well. And there's one of these that may, some, uh, de- depending on your current employment situation and how, how, what, your judge, uh, what your evaluation of that is, is work. Uh, whenever he defines this, it's broadly defined. What, what the research shows is not necessarily, it's not tied to having, you know, a W-2 job or any of those kinds of things. It's, it's really whether that's um, at home, raising kids, caring for family, serving in the community. What it's really about, having meaningful work, is about having a place where you can contribute. It's about having dignity, and it's about serving others. And if you have that, that will be a source of joy and happiness for you. And so as you think about that, your work, you know, whatever that means at, at this stage in your life, is it serving others? Is it a source of where you can contribute? And that will help you to have joy in your life. And so Brooks talks about this as your happiness portfolio. And if you're doing any year-end asset reallocation, you can uh, bring that to your happiness portfolio too. But he says, he, he gives us these questions for reflection. Is my happiness portfolio balanced across these four accounts? Do I need to move some things around? Are there habits I can change during this season? And so how, how is that looking for you? Is faith something that you're actively practicing? Is it something that's receded to the background? Are you giving your time and attention to your family? Are you investing in your friendships? And uh, for anyone who's like, oh my gosh, I am all, my calendar is loaded with relatives already. I cannot fit friends in too. Like, I get it. But also, like, there's this thing called the phone that you can call people on, and that might make a big difference, particularly if you, know, if you have friends who are going through difficult times right now. Just call to check on them. I mean, most of us, depending on your profession, a lot of us have some time after Christmas that is great for that kind of thing. So how are you investing in your friends? And then in your work, are, are there ways that, that you're making contributions, that you're serving others, that you're serving the community? As we do those things, what we're actually embodying is love. Those are all the ways that, that, that we are experiencing and embodying the love of Christ. And so this Christmas, I want to invite you to find your joy 
and love in all of those relationships. And there's this interesting study, if you've heard of the Harvard study of adult development, it started around World War II and, and tracked Harvard grads and uh, looked at their, their entire lives for, for their health, for health information, for emotional health, for their happiness, and tracked them for the rest of their lives. There, there's a scholar named George Valiant. He was the director of the study for um, 30 years. And after looking at 30 years of, li- of data on people's lives, I, I think the initial study had something like over 1,000 participants. This, this was his summary of what he found. Happiness is love. Full stop. Happiness is love. And I don't, I don't know, but if, if you're a church person, that's probably not surprising to you, right? And what does Jesus say is the summary of the entire law? Love God and love people. What, what do we read, you know, at half the weddings that, that we go to? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, faith, hope, and love, these now remain. The greatest of these is what? It's love. A new commandment, I give you, love one another. You, you're noticing the thread, right? I'm not just repeating myself to no effect. It's all about love. And so how are you investing in love this Christmas? Here, um, so my daughter, my younger daughter turned nine months today. I've got an older daughter. She's very cute, but the younger one is newer right now. And so um, anyway, I want to show you this video of her. Uh, this is just, uh, you know, her sitting, sitting in her high chair. And uh, so take a look. I know, I know. But do you know what I have to do to get her to look like that? I look at her. That's it. I give her my attention, and this big smile breaks out on her face. She's teaching me a lot this Christmas. I am learning that I am way more high maintenance than I thought, because all it takes is love. I mean, just if I turn my attention to her, that's what she needs. I mean, she does like to be fed and have her diaper changed and sleep and all that. But if I just give her my attention, she's filled with joy. And so I wonder, you know, this Christmas, amidst all of the things that you've got going on and all the things that you've got to buy and, all, you know, all the things that I've as yet not named, what would it look like if you just gave the gift of your attention? Because our attention looks a lot like love. So here's some action steps, some ways I want to invite you to live this out this week. First, whenever you find yourself comparing, whenever you're looking, and I know you're going to be like looking at all the Christmas lights and being like, we don't have this sad house too, do we? Like, you probably don't. But, but instead of comparing, choose celebration. Whenever you see the house that puts yours to shame, think, I'm glad they're in our neighborhood because that brings me joy. And if they weren't here, then I would not have that joy. Try celebrating. Say, I hope this blesses them or I hope it blesses others. And whenever you do that, it can completely take the sting out of comparing because that instead of comparing and finding somebody lacking in the comparison, you find a source of celebration wherever you end up on that scale. And you don't even know because you're not comparing. And so choose celebration. And then whenever you find yourself in those situations where you're tempted to judge, or or maybe you've been judging for like five minutes and then it finally registers, try instead choosing curiosity. And so, you know, one of the worst things about preaching is like I'm aware of the things that I'm going to say, and then I have to actually like try to do them, you know, so I'm not a hypocrite. And so this week I knew I was going to talk about judgment, and I was in the, the, have you ever been part of a school drop-off line 
So, yeah, so you know how that goes, and, and I appreciate the school. They do a great job as long as we who drop off children actually follow the procedure. And sometimes that happens, and sometimes it doesn't. But, but one of the rules in our drop-off line is you stay in line and you do not pass anybody, right? I mean, wrecks happen that way. If anyone's walking, it, it gets... But I, so I was in line, and, and admittedly, the car in front of me... It was not me, but the car in front of me was taking a little longer than would have been optimal. Not that I was judging. I was just noticing. And... Um, <laughs> And, and finally, this car behind me had enough, and they zoomed around us and got in the first spot of, of the line. Finally, the car in front of me started going, but then we had to go around this car because they had gone around us. And so we did that, and then as soon as I had gotten around the car, I looked in my rearview mirror, and they were right on my bumper, like, like riding me out of the parking lot. It's like, do you think this is going to get you out any faster? And then I was like, okay, got to preach about judging Sunday. And so in, instead, I was just like, you know, what could be going on? that's making this person drive like this. Like, maybe they've got a big presentation and the kid threw a fit. Not, we don't throw fits in our family, but I know some people struggle with that. Right when they were trying to get out the door, and, and now they've got to get to work on time, and it's gonna be, they're going to be cutting it close. Like, maybe somebody is sick at home, and they've got to get the child dropped off at school so they can get back. And actually, there are all kinds of things that could be going on. And, and yeah, maybe they're just in a bad mood, and that's how they perpetually move through life. But do you know, even if that's true... It doesn't help me to think that and to think less of them. And so instead of judging, it helped when I was just curious. What could be going on? And whenever you find yourself in that situation, try being curious. You know, what could be going on in this situation that I don't know about? And even whenever you find yourself judging yourself, um, you know, asking, like, why am I looking at myself this way? Why am I feeling these feelings? What's actually going on? Because self-judgment doesn't help either if it doesn't lead us to action. And so choose curiosity. And then as you go through the next few weeks, instead of isolation or frantic busyness, those are kind of the two extremes that we can choose, choose relationships. You know, if you're exhausted and worn out and you just really don't want to be around anyone, it's easy to choose to self-isolate and just not be around anyone. And that, that doesn't, it's important to rest but isolation does not, that bring, causes us to lose joy. And then frantic busyness also does not help. And, and so there's a sweet spot in there. And so one of the questions that I'm asking as we're going through ours is, what are the things that we're choosing that are actually bringing us closer to people? And, and so like, you know, if, if you're preparing for your family and you're the one who has to spend a week in the kitchen by yourself doing everything, I mean, that's great for them. But if you have a whole week where you're isolated, that may not be the best way to spend your time. And uh, I, I say that as somebody who, who's not a major contributor in the food arena. But, you know, one of the things that, that we do is, uh, is we will often bring the, the egg noodles to, um, to our family gatherings. And so one of the things that I like about that is that that's something Courtney and I do together. She makes the dough, and I am the chief rolling pin operator in our house. And so she makes the dough, and I roll it out, and, and then it happens. But it's something that we can do together. It's not something where, you know, she's in the kitchen or I'm in the kitchen, but we can act, it actually helps mostly our relationship, as long as we're both doing it the way that the other one thinks we should, right? I mean, whenever we judge, it does not go as well. But, uh, but it helps. And so what are the ways that you can choose relationships in the way that you're celebrating? And whenever we do that, we're embodying the love that Jesus brought into the world and continues to offer to each of us. And we're going to talk more about that next week.